Good morning. Glad to be with you. Glad to be worshiping with you. Glad to be back in the air conditioning. We were away at camp all last week. Uh, you know, camp serves a couple of purposes. One, you know, you make these great relationships. You know, a lot of them will last lifelong relationships. You know, I mean, mine and Bethany's relationship began at that particular camp uh, 17 years ago. And uh, yeah, thanks for the fist bump from the back. Uh, yeah, so we met at camp and, uh, you know, it was great. And uh, you see these young relationships developing. Uh, one of our campers from this church entered into one of those camp relationships. And, you know, I won't say his name, um, but you'll see some pictures of Ryan with a really cute girl on Facebook. And so I'll just, I won't say anything more. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a long distance relationship, but hey, you know, Bethany and I were like 300 miles apart. And so, you know, just see a lot of the same stops. So we'll just be paying attention there see what happens but it was a great week we had a really good time the other purpose that it does is it is you know they it, you you talk about God you talk about the Bible you grow together you sing together we had some incredible worship times together uh, and so you grow closer to God it also gives you a like a physical reminder that you do not want to go to hell because it is hot there okay I mean it is wicked hot there and so, uh, you know, but weather aside, we had a really great week. Uh, we got home, uh, got home, I got home at 11 o'clock Friday night. Uh, Bethany and the boys got home yesterday about 4 o'clock uh, yesterday afternoon. And so we're still in full recovery mode. If you go into our house, it just looks like all of our drawers exploded into our house because there's clothes and camp gear just everywhere. But it was a, uh, it was a really, really uh, a, a really good week, and but uh, we're glad to uh, glad to be back home. Well, if you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew thirteen. We're talking about a prepared heart. You know. It is not a good feeling to go into something unprepared, is it not? you agree with that? Anybody ever found themselves in a situation that they were not prepared for? Now then, I'm not talking about the unexpected thing that just sort of pops up. I'm talking about something you knew was coming. You knew you had a deadline. You knew you had to be there. You knew you had to fix something or bring something or do something, and you just didn't do it. You know, and you get there, and it's time for you to speak, or it's time for you to make your presentation, or it's time for you to give your report or your findings or, or whatever it is, and, and, and you've got nothing. You know, I mean, you are on an island, are you not? It is one of the worst feelings in the world. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was asked to go and speak at a... Um, a youth retreat in uh, in Tennessee, around Murfreesboro, Tennessee. On uh, it was called Short Mountain uh, Bible Camp. Okay, and it was just it was on top of this mountain called Short Mountain, and it was uh, it was it was early October, so it was not real cold at that point. I talked to the guy who had asked me to come and speak, and I said, "Hey, what kind of clothes do I need to bring?" And he says, "Hey, it's not been cold; it's still pretty warm here, so just you know, be comfortable. Come on." And so Bethany and I, we got all our stuff loaded, and we drove up to 
Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we got there, and that guy lied to me. It was freezing cold. I mean, it was freezing. Now then, we didn't leave from Georgia. We were living in Panama City at the time, okay, where it does not get that cold, especially in October, okay? So we've got shorts and flip-flops. I think Bethany arrived there that night in flip-flops, okay? But he said, don't worry, don't worry. You know, we're going to put you guys in the director's hut. Now then, if you know anything about camp, and it's especially vivid to me right now, the director's hut is usually the nicest place on the camp, okay? Because you want to keep the director happy, okay? The director has to deal with everybody. So you want to make sure the director's comfortable, whoever that might be. So he said, you're going to be in the director's hut. It'll be fine. Okay, so we get there, and it is freezing cold, okay? We get there, and they're doing renovations on the director's hut, and there is no heat whatsoever, None. Not to mention there is a hole this big in the floor, so all this cold air is just rushing into the room. And there was a window unit on cold blowing high. I don't know who thought that one through. Apparently nobody. Probably left on from the summertime. But we got there and it was freezing. And so all we've got are twin bed sheets, too. Because you go to camp, you think twin bed, and it's a full-size bed. Okay? All right. So we thought, okay, well, what are we going to do? All right, I, I brought one long sleeve shirt, I brought one lightweight jacket, and I took three pair of socks with other stuff. Bethany had all of that on. She stole my long sleeve shirt, she stole my little lightweight jacket, she put all three pairs of socks on, she had one on her hands, uh, one on her feet, one on her hands, and probably one on her ears, I don't know. But she was freezing, and she's wrapped up in our little twin bed sheets, you know. And all we could do is just lay there and laugh, because one, that's how we could keep warm, you know. We're shivering to death. And the only thing we could do was laugh at how unprepared we were, okay. Now then, that is not a, that's not a fun feeling. Now then, that was sort of unexpected. But I had another incident one time when I was still doing youth ministry 10 or so years ago, that uh, we moved into a very, very busy summer, and I don't know if I just forgot about it or didn't want to do it or whatever, just sort of pushed it to the back burner, but we had a graduating senior class, and for whatever reason, I was not prepared for our senior honoring banquet, okay? And I thought, you know, I got up that morning, I was like, oh, today is the banquet, and I got nothing. Nothing. I went rummaging through the church building, and I found some little plastic figurines, and I just went and sat them on the table, just like that. And that was all I had. Little plastic figurines. That was it. Okay? And so, you know, I'm thinking, this is horrible. How have I missed this? How have I not? I mean, I knew this was coming. It comes every year. Okay? We graduated seniors out of our ministry every year, and for some reason, I just was not prepared. And so I grabbed some of my volunteers, and I said, look, please, you got to help me. I can't leave, because that'll be obvious. Please go to the store, and I gave them my church credit card, and I said, just buy anything that says congratulations, seniors. Whatever they got, buy it. So they went to Dollar General or Publix or somewhere, and they just bought them out, and they just turned it into this incredible party, and I was so grateful to those people, and I'm still grateful to them. But I was just, that was just one of those days, one of those events where I was not prepared, and that's not a fun feeling. Well, let me tell you one more story, and this is maybe one of my, one of my favorite stories. We have a, a, a dear, sweet sister among us, and she's among us this morning. And this story comes to us from her. Carol Margaret was out shopping one day. What's, what's, what's everybody laughing for? Uh, yeah, 
There, listen, there's nothing. Give me a hearty amen if you agree. There's not much better than a Carol Margaret story. I mean, those are great. Tied to the porch, you know, I mean, those, are, those are great. Well, this great story, and I have permission to tell this. I asked permission to tell this. Carol Margaret was out shopping one day, and she went into Ray Ann's Christian bookstore and bought something and whatever, you know. She got her purchase, and she left the store. And she said as she was leaving, you know, she'd been gone 10 minutes or so, and she got a phone call, and it was Ray Ann's. And they said, hey, can you please come back to the store? You've, you've forgotten something. You've left something here. And she said, well, you know, what is it? And they said, don't, just, just come back. But she noticed they were kind of chuckling as they said it. And so she turns around and she goes back to Ray Ann's. She goes into the store and they tell her that she's forgotten her taser. <laughs> she left her taser at Ray Ann's Christian bookstore. So for 10 or 15 minutes, Carol Margaret was unprepared to take on the bad guys of Thomasville. Okay? She was unprepared. Now then, the taser has been returned. She's prepared. She's packing. Okay? She is prepared to zap you if you get, you know, a little too wound up for her. So she, but she is, you know, Carol Margaret's always prepared. But in that one instance, she just, was, she forgot that taser. She was not as prepared as she could have been to zap somebody. So those around her, be really nice. Be really nice. Be really nice. But I love that story. We've all found ourselves in an unprepared situation. And it's an empty feeling. You know, you, you feel, it just, it, it, it can make you feel so foolish. you angry at yourself. You're thinking, what was I doing? You know, you start recounting the events and what did I miss and how did I overlook this? Or, you know, sometimes we might start blaming others because we forgot something or whatever it is. But it is not good. And, and going into situations. There are certain situations where if you go into them, it can be disastrous, can it not? I mean, we have got to be, we have got to be prepared because there are some serious consequences. You know, we have to be prepared for school. You know, I mean, we start school, I mean, we'll be almost halfway through the school day this time tomorrow. Can you believe that? Yeah, you can't believe it. Teachers are going, no, I, I cannot believe, I cannot believe it. How did this happen? But that's where we're going to be this time tomorrow. I mean, some of these kids will already have eaten lunch. Okay? They'll be thinking, hey, how long do we get out of school? What, that many more days? You know, and it's going to be crazy. But as you go through school, you know, you've got to write papers and you have all these deadlines. And so you've got to be prepared. It's the same thing with work. I mean, how many of us have projects and deadlines and things that we're working on that we have to be prepared for? We have presentations that we have to make and we have meetings that we have to attend where we have to present certain things and we've got to be prepared it's the same thing with our family you know we need to be preparing for our family and we do those things to try to make sure we we set our families up for success you know one of the the things that um that i do in 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 my in in my job as a minister is i do you know i i get to do a lot of weddings and i will very rarely do a wedding uh, unless it's just an extreme circumstance i will very rarely do a wedding without doing premarital counseling now then, uh, I will tell you right up front, counseling is not my gift, okay? I'm not good at it. Uh, I'm more likely to say the harshest thing that you don't want to hear, and it doesn't usually come out real nice. So that's, that's, I've not been given the gift of kindness and counseling. So maybe that's why you don't come to me for that. Or I've referred you to someone else. But I'm not great at counseling. I just admit that. But one of the things I do like to do is, is premarital counseling. 
Okay, to be able to take a couple that is getting married and just point out, I see it primarily as, as number one, showing them what, what God's plan is for marriage. And the other thing is to say, here are the pitfalls that are definitely coming your way. You know, anybody who's been married for, for any amount of time, you know that there are things that happen in a marriage that you've you you got to do yourself, do your best to be prepared for. There's also those unexpected things that sort of crop up. And I have seen, I was counting the other day. You know, I did a wedding a couple weeks ago. And a guy asked me, he goes, is that your first wedding? And I said, well, today. Um, you know, I've done, you know, 40 or 50 weddings in my life. And um, I can look back and I can see the ones where the people took the counseling they either received from me or from someone else and they put it into practice in their life. Okay, and when those unexpected things happen, they were able to sort of navigate them. But I also know so many, so many couples, that, and I remember sitting with them either in my office or in their home or somewhere in a restaurant going through some of these things and saying, this is so important, don't miss this, put this into practice. This, you've got to get this right above anything else because if you don't, you're going to have problems, and they just, they just didn't do it. You ever, you ever seen that happen? You know, you know what that's like. Maybe that's you. Maybe you were, were given some advice one time and you didn't take it, okay? And then you found yourself in this situation. And because you did not listen, you didn't prepare, it just led to some disastrous consequences. But we must, you know, as best we can, it is always a good idea to make sure we are prepared. And this is especially true when it comes to our, to our spiritual walk. As we come to, to Matthew 13, we're moving into a, another major section of the book of Matthew. This is the, uh, the sort of the teaching section or the, the, the parabolic discourse, if you want to know the, the technical term for it. But you read this, this chapter 13, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he does this by not just giving you information, he does it by using parables, you know, these, these stories or these these anecdotes to sort of help people grasp what what parables uh, what parables are here's a here's a definition of a parable right here a parable is a spiritual test that hides the truth from those who don't seek it and it reveals it to those who do the listener is responsible for what is heard parables allow others to be spectators not curious enough to push forward and ask the meaning they are an invitation to faith. You know, and, and you'll see in just a few minutes that as we get to talking about this, this parable of the sower, Jesus is going to say, anyone who has ears, hear. Or anyone who has ears, listen. In other words, what he's saying is, look, if you really want to know, if you really want to know what this kingdom is about, then, then listen to what I'm saying. Don't just, don't just hear me, but really listen. Listen to what I'm saying. And as we come to this, this, this parable here in, in Matthew 13, we generally think of it as the, the parable of the sower, you know, a, a farmer going out and, and scattering seed like you see in the picture there. Okay, But really, uh, maybe a, a better name or a more accurate name for this, this particular story we're going to talk about is, is the, the parable of the, the sower, the soils. The parable maybe even of the, of the heart because I think that's what Jesus is driving at. He is driving at the, the conditions. He's driving at the conditions of our heart. So let's, uh, let's just start reading together. 
Start reading together in, in verse 1 of Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat there. The whole crowd stood on the beach. Now then, can you imagine what that scene is like? You know, Jesus is such a great teacher that crowds just follow him and crowd him in so bad that he's got to get into a boat. Now then, I don't ever have that problem when I go and speak somewhere. You know, I don't have people pushing me into a water because they want to just get to me to hear what I have to say. But Jesus did, okay, because he had this message of life, this message that was different from anything else. And so this crowd comes to them. He gets into the boat, speaks back onto the crowd, and it says that he told them many things in parables. In other words, he, he, he presents some sort of this spiritual test, this, this invitation to the faith, saying, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil, and it brought forth grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And here's that phrase, let anyone with ears listen. You know, hear what I'm saying about this, about this parable. Another way to think about a parable is it's sort of a, an earthly story that has a, a heavenly meaning or, a, or sort of a, a spiritual application to it. Jesus would use the things that were around him, use the things that the people were familiar with. And so maybe he's in this boat and he looks off in the distance and maybe he sees a field or maybe there's somebody sowing there. And he says, hey, look, let me, this, is, this is what this is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a sower, like a man who went out into the, in, into, into the field. And as he began to, to scatter grain, you know, because they don't have the technology that we had, there would just be a, a seed bag, and he would just put a handful in, and he would, you know, he would scatter that seed as, as best he possibly could, which naturally means that some of that seed is not going to land in the good soil. Some of it's going to land on the, on the path, okay? And that path, because it is so hard, it can't even get through that top layer, so it's just going to sit there, and so the birds are going to come down and just going to just, you know, just... Eat it up. Some of it's going to land in, in the, the, the rocky ground. Now, in, in, in Jesus' day and in the, the area that Jesus lived in, you know, you have this uh, sort of this thin, very thin layer of topsoil, and then underneath was sort of this limestone. Okay? And so it would, it would get buried in that, that topsoil, but it couldn't penetrate that, that limestone because it hadn't been turned. You know, it hadn't been prepared and so it would go down and it would shoot up very quickly but because it didn't have the depth you know it, it withered away okay uh now anybody who's done gardening you know that that sun is good right you have to have sun for plants to grow but when sun sun becomes a problem when there's no depth right when the roots can't can't sink down deep into that ground and, and get to that groundwater that they that they desperately need in order to grow. And so they would get down in that, that, that shallow topsoil, but then it would stop. It couldn't go any further. It would grow up quick, 
And it'd be exciting. You know, you're excited when those crops start growing, right? You know, you got a harvest coming. You get excited or your roses pop up, okay? But then all of a sudden they die. You know, that's, that's, that's a bummer, okay? That's not good. You don't want that to happen. But that's what happens to the seed that falls on that rocky soil. Well, he said others, you know, fell among the thorns. And I sort of think of the thorns as sort of the, the outer edges of the field, the field that's not been cultivated, the field that's not been sort of kempt up. And so it might grow up, but there's everything else going on. you got all these weeds and thorns and everything else, and it's going to choke it out. Have you ever, you ever had a, like, a, like a flower garden or a vegetable garden and you let it go? It's hard to get that thing back, isn't it? Okay, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking we should change things. Let's, let's, and you just vote with me. It is so much easier to grow weeds, is it not? Why can't we just make weeds popular, okay? We'll hate everything else, flowers, all that. Let's just say weeds, okay, because those are so easy to grow. Anybody can grow weeds, okay? But that's what happens. You know, you get some good seed in that land that's not been taken care of, okay, and the thorns and the weeds, they grow up. And, and, and while it might look good, it's in a kind of a, a tangled mess, and what happens is it, it gets choked out by all of that other stuff. All that stuff that's, that's competing for the light. But then there's that, that fourth soil that Jesus mentions. And that's the good soil. That's the soil that's been prepared. That's the soil that has been, been turned over. And it is, it is ready to receive the seed. And Jesus says that that soil is good. It's ready, you know. And it is so good that it can produce up to 100 times what was sown. 60 times, 30 times what was sown. I mean, 100 is really good. I mean, just having 30 times what you sow would be great, but imagine 100, okay? Now then, that's, that's a high number, but it's not, not impossible, okay? But that's what Jesus is saying. Okay, well, then he goes on, and, and in verse 10, it says, The disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? You know, why are you, why are you using parables to teach the crowd? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of, of the kingdom of heaven. But for them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. And he goes on and he lists this, this prophecy of Isaiah about the people being hard-hearted and not listening and, and all of these things. Okay? And when he's talking about the, the secret, okay, he's not talking about he's got this divine secret that only a few people are, hey, we got this secret, let's not tell anybody. You know, what that's really talking about is the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's the mystery. You know, you sort of see it all throughout the, the, the Old Testament. Okay, you read the Old Testament and the narrative is driving you somewhere, is it not? Okay, it's driving us toward Jesus. It's driving us toward God. It's driving us toward church and family and community and, and, and all of these things. And as you read, you know, those things become more and more and more revealed. Those mysteries, they become known to people. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, look, those that, that are interested in this stuff, if they will listen, they will hear what I'm saying. But there are some people who are hard-hearted, and they're not going to listen. And to them, it's just going to be a story. 
It's just going to be something that I say that they're not going to care about, that they're going to forget. It's not going to make any difference in their lives. And then he goes on, he begins to explain the soils. Verse 18, he says, hear the parable of the sower. And when he says hear it, we understand what he means. Hear its meaning. Hear what I'm saying. Here's the, here's the deeper side of just sort of this everyday story. Here's the spiritual application. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundred, in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. And so Jesus, you know, can you imagine what that was like to be sitting there hearing that? I mean, these people would be very familiar, okay? This culture is going to be, you know, largely agrarian. Okay, so he is speaking their language. You know, that's, that's a point for us, too, that when we're interacting with people and we're trying to make a difference or we're trying to share our faith, we need to make sure that we use, you know, that we speak the language of the people. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, we need to, to talk about things that they are interested in or use things from our culture that will help us to, uh, to, uh, to get a better understanding. I mean, I had to speak Thursday night at, at camp Okay, and I'm talking about a sacrifice, okay, and I'm talking about a, a servant as one who, you know, lays down their life and puts others first. And so I use a movie clip that, that kids love that shows that. And that's what Jesus is doing, okay? He's, he's speaking their language, and imagine you're sitting there. Imagine there's a farmer sitting in that crowd, and he's thinking, God, Jesus, what? I mean, you're telling me about something I already know. You ever thought that? Somebody been telling you something? Been telling you something? Uh, preacher stands up, and you're like, oh, not this story. Not that sermon again. I've heard that sermon so many times. Or your boss, man, I've heard this. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this job for 20 years. Why are you telling me this over and over and over again? And imagine what a, what a farmer sitting there and he's listening to Jesus and he's talking about it and he explains it and the guy's going, yeah, I know. I do this every day. And then Jesus says, now really hear what I'm talking about. And he begins to break down those different soils. Just imagine that guy's mind opening up and expanding as he grasps this, this knowledge of Jesus explaining the, the, the kingdom of heaven to him. And so he goes and he breaks down, he breaks down each one of these soils. And so he says the first one, he's talking about the, the path. Okay, now keep in mind, I think these soils, I think he's talking about the heart right here. Okay, that's what I think he's talking about. So when you read soil... Heart needs to come into mind, okay? Because I, I think this is what he's getting at. I think this is what he's driving at. So he says, when you hear the word, when anyone hears the word, 
does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches it away. You remember how he talked about the birds coming and, and snatching it away? Okay, because the path, what do we know about a path? It's, it's, it's packed. You know, it's, it's going to be pressed down. It's going to be hard. Seed is not going to be able to, to penetrate that. When Jesus says that the, the, the path is the one that, where the, the seed can't get to, he's talking about the person who has a hard heart. Okay? The person who, 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 who does not want God's Word, who doesn't care about church, who doesn't care, doesn't care about faith, they're not interested in, in anything at, at, at all. And it's that, that, that person, you, you know, and we, we know people like this. You, you probably interact with people that, you know, hey, look, that God stuff, that Jesus church thing, hey, that's fine for you. But I don't want to hear about it. You know anybody like that? Yeah. I, I know a guy who is a, a minister in Nashville. His grandfather died a couple of weeks ago. Um. And he loved his grandson very much, the minister. And the minister loved his grandfather very much. But one of his directives was do not let, I'm not going to say his name, but don't let my grandson preach at my funeral. Don't, don't let him say anything. You know, he loved him, but his heart was hardened to the word. He didn't, he didn't want to, to hear anything. Okay? And so I think when Jesus is talking about that, that hard that hard path, he's talking about a heart that is hardened to the Word of God. That when they hear the Word, it just sort of bounces off. They don't let anything in there, okay? Maybe you have been that way at some point in your life. Maybe you're, you're here this morning. You hear these words that I, that I read all the time or that somebody teaches you or that you listen to maybe on the radio, Caleb or whatever, and, and you're not letting it in, okay? You've got that hard heart, and so it just bounces and it, and it goes away. Okay, well, then he moves on to, that, to the second one. And he's talking about the, the rocky ground. Okay, and remember, it's, that, it's got that thin layer of topsoil where it puts in seed, and the seed goes down in there, and it shoots up really quick. To me, I think this is talking about the emotional heart or the emotional hearer. Have you ever known anybody like that? Someone that gets so excited, and they get so pumped up for Jesus, and they give their life to Jesus, and man, they're just on fire they're great but they're not putting down any root and it's just all about the songs and yes i love jesus but it's not spending time in the word it's not praying it's not interacting with people it's not doing some of that that really that 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 those things that jesus asks of us like taking up our cross daily and and, and following after him okay so you don't put any root down Okay, when you don't have any root down, Satan is going to start to apply the pressure on you. He's going to do that anyway, but he's going to start to apply the pressure on your life spiritually. And if you don't have any root, if you're not anchored to something, if you're not getting down to that water, you're not going to make it. <coughs> you're going to wither. You know, I, I see a lot of teenagers like that. They get really excited during the summer. Okay? And I've seen them. Now, I've seen all kinds of teenagers in my life. And some of them, you know, they're, they, they're so, 
their faith is so genuine and so real, and it starts out like that. And then the pressure gets on, and then they're, they're at that moment. They're, they're at a decision that they've got to make. Am I going to stay rooted, or am I going to wither? You know, am I going to, am I going to keep believing? Am I going to keep trusting in God to help me do right no matter what? Or am I going to give in to the pressure that is on me right now? And I've seen a bunch say, yes, I'm going to just keep holding on no matter what the cost is. But I've also seen a bunch that said, you know what? I'll be a Christian at church. Now then, I've also seen adults make those same decisions. Okay? I've seen it. I've seen it. You've seen it. You know that. You know they're out there. Okay? I, I, I know that because I've been that. Okay? I've been a weekend warrior. Hadn't you? I, I, you know, I, the better phrase, I was talking to Ryan about this the other night on the way home. I said the, um, uh, the, the better phrase is not weekend warrior. I mean, that's a weekend weakling, if you ask me. Okay, and I've been one of those. Okay, where I can, hey, Jesus, on the weekend. And during the week, it's like, hell yes. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, because I've lived that way. Okay, and I think if we don't put down the root, that's where we find ourselves. Okay, if we're not getting down rooted deep, when Satan puts the pressure on us, we're not going to make it. Well, then he talks about that third soil. That's the one in the, in the thorns. And the heart that he's describing there, I think, is the distracted heart. Now then, I think, I think the majority of Christians, you know, they, you find them in all three of these. You know, the, the, uh, the rocky soil, the, the thorns, and the good. I think you find them in varying degrees. You find Christians in varying degrees of all of these. Um, I'm not sure, but I would say a large percentage of people fall into that distracted heart. Okay? Where, you know, faith and following Jesus and reading the Word and, and praying and serving others and following after Jesus, all those things. They're just, they're just you know, church and all that. It's just, it's just another thing that you do in a long line of other things that you do. You know what I'm talking about? Where it doesn't have any real priority. I'm distracted by my job and I'm distracted by my vacations and I'm distracted by all my kids' stuff and I'm distracted by... Uh, all the things that I want to do and all this, I'm distracted by the money that I'm trying to make so I can set things up for the future. And I got all this stuff going on, going on, yeah, throw some church in there too. We got to have a little Jesus in our life. But it's not the most important thing. And if Jesus is not the most important thing in your life, your faith is going to get choked out. Okay? It's going to put a rear naked choke on your faith and it is going down. Okay? There's just no way around it. We have to make sure that we put first things first. Jesus said something like that, didn't he? Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else you need, everything else you need, you'll have it. But you've got to seek me first. Seek me first, because don't you know don't you know that I am the origin of all of these good things that you need in your life? And I think a lot of people find themselves that way. Their heart is that way. It's that distracted heart. 
And I think, you know, I think that one's especially true for maybe the age group that we primarily have in here. Okay? Because we've got our families going. We've got a lot of stuff happening. You know, uh, some of you are, are getting ready for retirement age. Others, we're still kind of working and putting things away. Okay? And so, you know, I mean, we don't mean to do it. But, man, it's so easy to fall into that trap, is it not? It's so easy to just get focused on, on other things relationships or whatever it might be that just pull us away from what our primary focus is and you know that's the way satan's going to work you know he's going to work subtly okay it's like the, the frog in boiling water thing you drop it in boiling water he's coming out you slowly turn up the heat he's going to boil to death you know that's that's the way it is for us we have to make sure we have to make sure that we're cultivating we have to make sure that our heart is, is prepared. And that's the fourth soil that Jesus talks about. Okay? The fourth soil, this is the, the good soil. This, I think, is the soft heart. This is the, this is the heart that is prepared. This is the heart that is, 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 is pliable. This is the heart that is, is ready to receive the Word. So, I think what Jesus is asking us, I think what he's asking us to consider, as he tells this story, not only to the people back then, but I think for us today, is which one of those are you? Which one of those soils describes the, the condition of your heart? Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it distracted? Maybe it's a mixture of all three. And if it is, then you can't mature in your walk with Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? You can't mature in your faith. You can't take up a cross and follow daily after Jesus. Well, number one, if you're hard-hearted, why would you do that anyway? If I'm hard-hearted, why should I care about you? If I'm just emotional and the, the shallow faith, there's no way I'm going to take up my cross because, man, that's going to lead me to a cross. And if I'm distracted, hey, I may want to do that. But, you know, I got, I've got some other things that I've got to take care of. Take care of some of these things, and then I'll, hey, I'm with you, but i got to take care of this first. You know what I'm talking about? So what is the condition of your heart? If it's any of the three of those, number one, if it's hard-hearted, I pray that the, God, that the Word of God penetrates that, that hardness. Okay, I pray that it breaks down and it softens up and turns that soil. But if it's the other two, if it's the, the shallow faith, the faith that does not act, or if it's the sh distracted heart, God, I pray that you'll repent this morning. I pray that you'll begin to put down the roots that God wants you to have so you can come in touch with that water. I pray that, uh, that you will allow God, the gardener, to get in there and clean up some things so that the soil can be prepared to receive more of the Word and so that it can 
so that it can grow more. So here's the point. Here's our growth point for the morning. And it's simply this. Prepare the soil, or the heart, to receive the seed. The Word. That's, that's simple. Prepare the soil to receive the seed. Prepare your heart to receive God's Word and, and what it can do and what it, what it shares what it shares with us. Now then, here's this too. Here's what a prepared heart is not. A prepared heart is not hard and defiant. Okay? A prepared heart is not defiant. It is not hard. Okay? It's willing to hear the Word of God. A prepared heart is not just emotional and shallow, but it's thinking. It's acting. It doesn't cave under the stress and the pressures of society and friends and culture and, and all of those things. And a prepared heart is not choked out by the distractions that are all around us. You know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a kid right now. Now then, they are growing up with it, so it's a little easier for them to navigate. But can you imagine us as adults going back and having to be a kid knowing what it was like when we were kids? Can you imagine trying to do that? There's no way I would want to do it. I wouldn't trade spots with kids for anything right now because it's so difficult, okay? And they live in a world that is just bombarded, bombarded, bombarded by distraction, okay? Bombarded by things that we used to be able to protect our kids from, okay? Bombarded by things that our parents used to be able to shelter us from, but now it's right there on a screen, it's right there at the scroll of a phone or the, the mouse, uh, uh, a mouse click or whatever it might be, okay? And so they face, I think, they face more distractions maybe than, than any other generation that has ever lived in the history of the world. That tells us, number one, we need to be praying for our children. Two, that means as parents, we need to be the ones. Now then, parents... We must be the ones to help minimize and control the distractions. Okay? We have to do that. And that might mean, hey, look, you don't play a sport right now. You need to take some time off. It might mean that you don't need to be involved in every single thing. Okay? Because it's pulling our time away. And you know how it is. You know, you get one kid involved in something, and it pulls the whole family, does it not? Okay? Now then, it can be that way too with work. I get so involved in things, but it pulls my family along with me okay so if we find ourselves in that sort of distracted heart that distracted soil we need to let god clear out some space a prepared heart is not hard and defiant a prepared heart is not just emotional and shallow but it's thinking and acting it doesn't cave under pressure a prepared heart is not choked out by the distractions of wealth and Jobs and vacations and possessions and activities upon activities. Okay? But here's what a prepared heart is. A prepared heart is one that is pliable, workable, ready to receive and act upon God's Word. I think that's what God wants from us. That's the kind of hearts that, that He wants us to have. And so that's what I would ask you simply this morning is what kind of heart do you have? Okay? We've already covered what you need to do. 
If you're any of the other three, one, I pray that God breaks that hard heart, brings you back to Jesus. If you have a shallow faith that does not act, that does not do any cross-bearing, repent. If you have a distracted heart that is pulling you in so many different directions that Jesus is just a blip on your radar, repent. Let God cultivate and prepare your heart. Let it turn it into that good soil that's ready to receive God's word that will grow and produce because a prepared heart produces a mature disciple, a mature plant, a mature tree. One seed, think about what one seed can produce. You think about a fruit tree and all the fruit that it can put on. That can be us, but we have to let God prepare our hearts. If you need help with that, we'd love to talk to you about it. If your heart has been hard, but you're allowing Jesus to to penetrate that, that's great. Let us help you with that. If you need to make some changes in your life, we want to help you make those changes in your your life. If you want to be baptized into the name of Jesus this day, we want to help you with that. But don't go away in any other condition, any other heart condition than the good, prepared heart. If we can help you in any way, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing, everyone needs compassion. I love.